And I come unto you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Do you remember that historic event of the Tower of Babel? It's told in the 11th chapter of Genesis. Learn from it. The whole earth had but one language. Noah's sons started to migrate out of the east and settled on a plain in a place called Senar. And there they came up with what we moderns might call a, a boneheaded idea of making a building and a city. Well, the problem wasn't their building of the city, not at all. The problem was their motivation, that of pride. Come, they said, this is in scripture, come, let us make a city and a tower, the top of which will reach all the way to the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves before we depart into other lands. It says in the next verse, the Lord came down. Interesting to note those details. He came down. They wanted to build all the way to the heavens in their pride, but still he came down. It shows the foolishness of man. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of Adam were building. He was not pleased at their pride. St. Augustine says that, said it was prideful because they thought they could avoid a future flood. Remember, these were Noah's boys. They had been through the, the flood. Now, they thought by building such, a, such an empire, such a tower, those floods will never reach us again, as if anything could be too high for God who made the heavens and the earth. They believed that they could reach the heights of heaven and of God by their own strength. They wanted to have a name for themselves and they wanted to preserve unity among themselves. The problem is they wanted to do all of this by themselves. They were like little children, toddlers. No, let me. But all unity must have God as its source, its foundation, if it is to be lasting. Without God, unity becomes a source of misguided power, for example, atheistic communism, secular socialism. Concentrated, centralized power can be a serious problem if God is not at its center. And so God, going back to the scripture, he said, this one people have all one language. If they have begun to do all of this now, they will not stop it until their goal is accomplished. So let us go down and confound their tongue that they may not understand another's speech. I say it as a sort of noto bene. Notice how they, the human race was united in language before this, but 
then God, as a way of punishing them and keeping them out of sin, he separated them so they all spoke different languages. But at Pentecost, the Holy Ghost comes back and once more finds a way to unite them into a language. But notice this, the work of the devil later on, how the Catholic Church has one people and one language, and yet the Novus Ordo has started the Tower of Babel all over again. Now they have many languages and a different people. Well, the result of this was they scattered. They did not finish building that city. How true those words of the psalm. I think it's Psalm 27. Unless the Lord build the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watch over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now this sermon at this point could go in any direction. But I'll say this. Whether it comes to fixing problems in the church, or problems in the home, or merely the da your daily striving for heaven, we must remember that unless we have the help of the Holy Ghost, who is both guide of the church and the sanctifier of souls, then all of our labors will be in vain. We will be scattered. We will not finish with God's help what we had begun without it. It's a scary thought, isn't it? That we have to rely on someone else. If you want it done right, you've got to do it yourself, may apply in certain aspects of our human life, but not to our sanctification. We cannot hold onto our own methods, our own ideas of what type of saint we want to be, or how we want God to make us this saint or that. No, we must constantly repeat the words of the hymn, the sequence that was just sung a few moments ago to the Holy Ghost. Bend the stubborn heart and will. That's the key to it all. A convert from Judaism who later entered the Congregation of the Holy Ghost and was even much later made venerable by Pope Pius IX, Venerable Lieberman, he gave us a beautiful prayer. O Divine Spirit, I wish to be before thee as a light feather so that thy breath may carry me where it wills and that I never offer it the least resistance. If only we were less stubborn and allowed ourselves to be like this little feather guided by the breath of the Holy Ghost, what transformations would occur in our souls and how the Holy Ghost might use us to accomplish great good in this world? I think of the cure of ours. There was a difference in how man viewed the cure and how God viewed him. To man, he was ignorant, stupid, and 
so unlearned that they, the other priests, his fellow priests in the area, told him, well, you probably shouldn't be hearing confessions. You'll do too much harm. And they signed a petition to be sent to his bishop to have him removed. And the humble cure signed it himself as well. But this man, viewed as one ignorant and foolish, was loved by God and was used by the Holy Ghost to do so much good. Where those brilliant confessors could not touch the hearts of their penitents, the cure of ours did just that. He not only converted his parish, but many souls from all over the world came, and it wasn't easy to travel in those days, they came to receive this humble priest's absolution and to receive a bit of advice in the confessional. What good the Holy Ghost did through him. And I think of the little flower, St. Therese. She was, as a child, sensitive. She cried over almost everything. She herself admitted that she was vain, and I think she was a bit stubborn, too. But you remember her conversion at Christmas when her father thought she was too old to have her Christmas stocking filled with gifts anymore. Well, normally she would have cried. Her older sister told her, don't even go downstairs because you'll do nothing but cry. Well, little did her sister know that the Holy Ghost was working in that little soul of Therese. He filled her with fortitude, and she went down and with a smile that showed cheerfulness, she opened her gifts, the Holy Ghost's work. That was the beginning. But at the end of her life, remember this sensitive little girl who cried over everything. She said at the end of her life to the sisters in her convent, I cannot suffer anymore because all suffering is sweet to me. It is impossible for me to suffer. That is what the Holy Ghost can do to a soul. That is what the Holy Ghost could do in your soul if only you didn't want to do it all yourself. Yes, there are parts of the spiritual life you must do, mortifications, avoiding the occasions of sin, going to the sacraments, but if you do not rely, if you don't trust, that's the word, if you do not trust in God wholeheartedly, then all of your labor will be in vain. You must be as light as a feather, not as stubborn as a mule when it comes to the spiritual life. When the Holy Ghost blows, he will send you the little feather into other directions, the direction that he wants you to go. And so he is doing his work. Whenever a cross comes, it's the Holy Ghost at work sanctifying you. When you must deal with a person you'd rather not deal with, that's the Holy Ghost 
giving you a chance to practice charity, or a work that you don't want to do, you feel too lazy. Well, diligence. And maybe you're just having a bad day. You don't know what's causing it, but you're filled with sadness or irritability. That's just the Holy Ghost giving you opportunity to sanctify your soul. But we must be disposed to recognize the Holy Ghost at work and allow ourselves to be directed by the breath of the Holy Ghost. I'll end with one practical point on how you can do this. It comes from Cardinal Mercier. Try it. It's in the bulletin today. Every day, he says, for five minutes, restrain your imagination and close your eyes and ears to all earthly impressions so as to be able to withdraw into the sanctuary of your baptized soul, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Then address the Holy Ghost in these terms, O Holy Spirit, soul of my soul, I adore thee. Enlighten, guide, strengthen, and console me. Tell me what I ought to do. Command me to do it. I promise to be submissive in everything that thou shalt ask of me. I promise to accept whatever thou permittest to befall me. Only show me what is thy will. And he continues, finally, If you do this, your life will pass in contentment and peace. You will have abundant consolation even amidst troubles, for you will receive grace in proportion to your trials and strength in proportion to your burdens until the day when you will reach the gates of heaven weighted with precious merits. This submission to the Holy Ghost is the secret of sanctity. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.